welcome to AIJ Cast, a podcast featuring conversations and performances at the intersection of art, inspiration, and justice. I'm your host, Mark Dame Sanders. On this episode, part one of our conversation with Gary Ware. Gary is a strategic play consultant, and he spoke with us from his home in San Diego. Gary Ware, welcome to AIJ Cast. Thank you for having me, Marthane. I am so happy to be here. What do you think about starting with a game, a little bit of play, just to get us going? How about fortunately, unfortunately? We can go back and forth, and one person says a fortunately statement, the other person says unfortunately, and then we'll just see where we end up. Okay. I'm very excited to be in Dallas. Unfortunately, um, it's getting hot out there. Fortunately, we have air conditioning inside the house. Unfortunately, that is going to raise your electricity bill. Fortunately, I am exceedingly wealthy. Unfortunately, people are going to hate you for that. Fortunately, being wealthy comes with a certain amount of arrogance where you just don't care what other people think of you. Unfortunately, the people that are in your family are going to get a lot of hate. Fortunately, this narcissism that has developed has allowed me to not care about my family either. Unfortunately, I, I, can't, I, I have to stop. All right, cool. <laughs> I think we got to a pinnacle. I'm uh, just glad that we started off with such a positive imagery where even the fortunately just got really like awful. Yes. And, and I quickly realized <laughs> that game is better with an odd number of people. That mm. way we're not doing the same one over and over again. Right. Because right. I'm like, man, I'm like the naysayer of this game. Right. And I am finding just incredible positivity in being alone and channeling Jeff Bezos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gary, thanks for being on the podcast. I would love to start of all places with music because I know that you have a background in creative arts, not in drama or not in theater, which a lot of improvisers do. You and I do not. We share that in common, but you have a background in music. So let's start there. I grew up playing the clarinet. When I got into high school, I picked up a saxophone and um, bass guitar. And then I ended up joining a ska band. Of course you did. Um, And I mean, that's the impression that I get. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I never have to knock on wood. Anywho. (laughs) And it was a lot of fun. When I look back, I'm like, man, why did I stop? And it's because uh, I moved to L.A. to go to university. And I I went to school for design. And then I just stopped playing. (laughs) And it was one of those things where I picked up the bass and I just never really got into it again. Mm. Um, and the guys that that I grew up with when I moved back to San Diego had all dispersed, all became adults. Only one of the people that, that I was in band with still plays and tinkers around. So mm. one of these days, uh, I'll pick it back up again. Well, and that's part of what I think is interesting about your story and I think resonates with a lot of us is this notion of like when you grow up, you got to get serious. To be an adult, you have to be serious. No more playing around. I do feel like that's a cultural expectation that is imposed on us that we also willingly accept. And I would just kind of love to hear your own kind of take on that process of growing up, maturing, and then also beginning to deconstruct that a little bit. And again, it was like one of those things, I think it was just sort of passed down. And it wasn't until I got into improv that I really started to examine that and realize, why do we even do that? Yeah, It's so interesting 
makes sense. You know, as you get older, you finish school or, you know, you get into a career, you start working Mm -hmm. and that becomes the main priority right. to take care of yourself, take care of your significant other. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you might have kids and then that becomes like all consuming, right? All yeah. consuming. And then uh, you forget, oh, wait a second. I used to do things that were enjoyable <laughs> or you end up having children. And, you know, I, I have a four year old, love my son, uh, but they are very, you know, dependent on you yeah. for their survival. Yeah. So again, you put all of their needs before your own. Right. And, I don't feel like it needs to be that way. I had a remarkable experience as a parent. Uh, My kids are older than yours, where a friend of mine, a wise, very deeply spiritual person said, enjoy your children as a spiritual practice. And that for me, I think in some ways was this turning point around seriousness and play of getting into their world caring about things that they care about, even if they were things that I didn't, like I really couldn't care less about Thomas the Tank Engine and his exploits. But my kids were really into it, and so I became obsessed with playing with trains, right? I mean, your your timeline for all of this is different, so maybe parenthood didn't come along the same way as it did for me. I'm curious how the life of a parent and being involved with a child has opened you up to play or if that was just separate? I feel like I am really blessed in that I got into improv and, and started diving down, you know, this avenue of play. And then my son came around mm. and I thought I knew everything about play. And then <laughs> my son really like told me, no, you know nothing. <laughs> but you bring up a really great point. You know, and it's so interesting because I feel like the the way of yesteryear was when you had a child, you would want them to like everything that you liked. Of course. You know, they became yeah. your, your mini-me. And then you would push all the things that you liked onto your child. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they like them, maybe they don't. And I was quickly realizing that there were things that I liked that my son, you know, couldn't care less about. Right. But then there were things that he started discovering. And I feel like my improv training taught me to just sort of, all right, let's yes and this. Right. Let's support this. Right. Let's see where this goes. And yeah, it's been like a, a really cool sort of experiment of it's not like the things he's into are, are really crappy. He's into some cool stuff. <laughs> uh, he's into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He likes hey. everything in that realm. Right. And then he goes in and out of other stuff. Yeah. But like the cool thing is when I can sort of accept that and support that, Mm -hmm. I feel like our relationship has evolved. And let's step back and talk about how your discovery of improv, I mean, this, you did not initially go into improv with this idea of it being a career option for you. In looking back, I think because I had that experience with band and ensemble, it was the missing link. Like mm. I said, I gave up all that music and, right. and everything for a career. Yeah. And someone said, hey, you should take an improv class. It's going to help you with your public speaking. Mm. It will just help you think on your feet. Again, I had no background in any of that. Right. Almost didn't go to that first class because I had this feeling like, oh, I'm not a funny guy. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, I, I should be working. Right. I'm glad I 
actually you know followed that person's advice took that improv class because it was a game changer i that's so interesting that you went into it with this in the world that a lot of us inhabit of kind of business and skill sets that this talk about technical versus adaptive right that you were approaching you were invited to do it as a technical skill this is going to give you better specific job skills as opposed to something that's going to change the way that you view the world which is interesting because my exposure was the opposite. I was taking a break from work and was like, I want to do this thing because it's just fun and it's something I've always wanted to do and have never had the bandwidth to do it, but still had a lot of terror about going into that first class. I was in a different city. I didn't know anybody. There was no risk to looking like a moron in front of these people because I would never, ever see them again. And yet I was still petrified before stepping into that first class. So yeah, so I would love to hear that kind of piece, that how it shifted for you from this thing of like, I'm going to be a better public speaker. When people ask me questions, I'm going to be able to turn them and answer them in the right way, as opposed to this is its own thing and it's going to change the way that I am in the world. After I took that first class, all of those things sort of melted away Mm. because I was playing. Right. I recall this a lot in a number of talks that I do, you know, for two hours I didn't think about anything. I was completely right. present. I was completely connected. I was being silly, uh, looking silly, and it was play for me. And yeah. I was hooked. And I think <laughs> looking back, you know, as a way to continue taking, because I, I had a little bit of that guilt, I'm like, well, you know, this is making me better at these things. And, and that was my <laughs> original intention of taking now, it. Now, that is true about me. Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. I need to take another improv class. Mm-hmm. And then I started bringing these games to my team again as just it was fun. It was something that was super enjoyable. I didn't know about applied improvisation, Mm -hmm. so using improv techniques in other contexts. I didn't know about any of that at the time. I just said, hey, you all should try this. This is a fun. Let's play this game. Let's play the Mm. Zip Zap Zop game. Let's play Mm -hmm. all of these Mm -hmm. games. And we did it before meetings. We did it on Fridays. And in looking back, it did help us overall. It helped us connect better. It helped us trust um, deeper. Yes, we did all those things. But inherently, this is the cool thing about play is it's enjoyable. Gary Ware on AIJCast. We'll be back with more of our conversation in just a moment, but first, a quick word. As always, we want you to visit the AIJCast website, AIJCast.com. It's a great place to learn more about our artists and to get a look at their news, information, and products. We do have a link there to Gary's website, as well as a talk he gave at a TEDx event in San Diego. I also want to make sure that you know that Wild Goose Festival is planning on being in person again this year, September 2nd through 5th. Their protocols are in flux, of course, as so many are during this time of COVID. You can find out more information about this and so much more at our website, AIJCast.com. And now back to more of our conversation with Gary Ware. There were a couple of things that I was very fortunate about. That first class I took was at in Chicago at the Second City Institute. And our teacher was already in that world of applied improvisation. Not that that would have been language she would have used in our class. She was an improviser, but she was also an HR person and was using techniques of improv in HR. This is also in Chicago. So Chicago's already kind of got this in the water there, right? So one of the things that I noticed very quickly was that one the group cohesion that developed out of those classes was faster than any group work I had ever been a part of. And my professional background as a pastor 
tons of group work, but the intimacy and the trust that developed out of that play was faster than anything I'd ever seen. That was one thing. The other thing was she did a splendid job of processing the play. So we would play the game. She would say, what happened? What did you notice? What can this teach you about? What did I... And it was not just about the performance, though there was part of it. It was also like, you notice how when you don't talk so much, you're a lot funnier. You notice when you support somebody that they trust you. So I was very lucky that it immediately went into this kind of pragmatic, like, oh, these are not just games that are fun and playful, although that's critical. It's also stuff that can develop intimacy and trust and positive environment. So shout out, Heather. Love you. Thank you for all your teaching. I didn't have that Mm. off the bat, Mm. but I started seeing those on my own. Mm. I, I started seeing connection points where I'm thinking, wow, this is making me a better listener. Mm. I'm learning about the power of yes and, mm. and I was realizing you couldn't turn that off once you left the theater. Right. You know, it wasn't to other people were coming up to me and, and telling me things that they noticed about me, you know, especially oh, my interesting. wife. Yeah. That I started to like dig a little bit deeper. My wife was like, oh, you're not getting so combative here. Or, you know, <laughs> you actually heard me when, wow. when I mentioned these things. Yeah. And I'm like... Hmm, maybe this improv stuff is doing something. Wow. Because again, my original thing was I had the same perception that most people did. Sure. Improv. All right, we're going to be funny. We're going to be able to think on our feet. Like I didn't know that in order to do that, you need to be a good listener. In right. order to do that, you need to support the person that you're with. In order to do that, you need to state the obvious. Like again, I had no idea. And it wasn't until practicing that over you know a few years and, and then – taking that into the performance area mm-hmm. before I started to realize, oh, it's deeper than that. Yeah, the way I often talk about it when I do workshops is I say, you know, people think improvisation is about being quick, funny, and random. And what it's really about is paying attention. Uh, 100%. Now, quick, funny, and random are helpful skills to have, but they're not required skills. It's really about, like you said, like stating the obvious, like noticing something about yourself. Like I'm really uncomfortable right now because you're uncomfortable on stage and somebody has said something that makes you uncomfortable and you name that. It's hilarious. Agreed. And then there's this moment where you're doing this as part of your work. And then a moment comes, a shift comes circumstantially that pushes you into this new world, which eventually becomes breakthrough play. Yeah. So (laughs) I was known as the improv guy and I was selfishly doing it just for the team that I was working with. I wanted to be the best manager I can be. I saw this as a quick way to develop an ensemble. Yeah. Faster than anything that I've ever experienced, ever. Yeah. And then that led me down the path of play. You know, someone said, well, it's more than improv, you know, you're, you know, play. So I started studying everything that had to do with play and, and how play can help grow teams. And like I said, it all had to do with growing the team that I was on. Mm. And as a marketer, I thought my career trajectory was, all right, you work for a whole bunch of agencies and then you eventually, you either become a partner at an agency or you start your own. Right. Well, the opportunity to be a partner at an agency showed up and I thought, oh, that's my next career progression. Mm -hmm. And uh, me and uh, two other gentlemen, we started this agency in San Diego, Southern California. And my thing is I want this to be different than any other agency because agency life, marketing agency life is rough. You have a lot of clients um, that are very demanding. It's not like what you see on Mad Men where you're, you know, (laughs) 
going and having cocktails and and sort of shooting the smoking in the middle out. of the day and yeah. no it, it's challenging it's rough yeah. and i was realizing quickly that it doesn't have to be that way and this is again we're playing stuff like that came so i was excited for the opportunity to grow a team right. and develop some of these theories that i had well the first couple of years were um like to say the honeymoon phase <laughs> where yes it was good. You know, it was new. We were growing clients. Uh, we were 624 feet as the crow flies from the beach. Mm. You know, we had these things called Siesta Fridays where we would take breaks and, you know, uh, as a team, go out to the beach and do bocce ball and stuff like that. Right. Then things got challenging, as mm. business does. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started learning about the people that were my business partner. So lesson one, if you're going to go into business with someone, you should probably know them. You know, just like if you're going to get married <laughs> to someone, you probably know them and know a little bit about their character and background yeah. uh, because that's going to come to play. You know, when, when things get rough, you learn about someone's true values and stuff like that. And I was still oblivious to a lot of this stuff. And I was like, all right, you know, it's going to work out. I was just happy that I had the opportunity to continue to explore this play and this improv uh, because this business that I was a part of funded that. You know, mm-hmm. I um, had the liberty to go and do um, some of these workshops for free. I did this thing called Recess where uh, once a month I would invite people and sometimes we did improv stuff. Other times we did other sort of play-based things. And there was always that debrief of connecting in the dots. It was amazing. Right. I was on a retreat in Nicaragua with about six other people. I was co-facilitating this experience. And I remember the last day, uh, I'm on the beach, it's sunset, and reflecting on this experience. I'm like, wow, this is it. I have done it. I have reached this point where I'm like, life is really good. Right. So good that I get a tattoo that said harmony. So... On one shoulder, I have a tattoo that says chaos, and I got that in college. And I was like, well, for every chaos, there's harmony. And Mm, uh, foreshadowing, um, (laughs) chaos was about to happen uh, because (laughs) when I got back to the States um, and I was doing my normal check-in with my uh, co-founder, he had a different outcome uh, for this story where he thought we would be best sort of going our own separate ways. Mm. And he basically gave me uh, my little buyout check and said, I think you should go do your own thing. Bye. And I was, I was so shocked. I was like, what just happened? Mm. And then to make matters worse, two hours after that, I get a call from my landlord who was renting me, my wife and my son. He was about to be one at the time. Uh, renting us a house and he says hey I have to sell your house wow. and I'm like shocked I'm like I don't know what to do my wife isn't working mm. I'm the breadwinner of the family you know my wife she's the true hero of the story because she was the one who said well you know this breakthrough play stuff I think you have something there mm. yeah you were sort of doing it as a side hustle and when you're doing it you have so much passion for it you come back from these events and you are rejuvenated. Mm. The people that you're doing this work for really value it. Uh, Cause I know <laughs> when I'm doing the stuff in marketing is not always the case right. where I put my heart and soul into it. And the client sometimes is just oblivious, like eh, whatever. Yeah. But I do these workshops and people come out changed for the better. Right. And I feel good about the people that I'm doing work for some of the clients that I do in the marketing thing. I'm like, Man, if they weren't paying me, I honestly wouldn't be using this product or anything like that anyway. Like, And then I feel guilty. Right. Like, I'm like, man, I'm making this company so much money, and I honestly wouldn't use this product, or I wouldn't even endorse this. Yeah. So what we ended up doing, we sold most of our stuff. 
uh, the remaining stuff, we put it in storage and we moved in with my parents so I can figure this out. Wow. That was um, over three years ago. And you would think, oh, yay, yay, yay. The story gets better. No, uh, it gets better for a little bit. And then (laughs) uh, I started getting my bearings and figuring out what this is. And it was getting some traction. And then we have the global pandemic of 2020. The chaos shoulder reemerges. Yes. (laughs) Just walk. You're walking with one shoulder forward at a time, right? Yes, exactly. Gary Ware on AIJCast. You can find him online at his website, BreakthroughPlay.com. On our next episode, part two of our conversation with Gary Ware. AIJCast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. We are grateful to you for your support. It's what makes it possible for us to do this. So please do take just a moment and go to our website, AIJCast.com, and click on the link that says support. And we love to pal around with you on social media. We are there on all of the places where our handle is AIJCast. Our theme music comes from our house band, Mard Fame. And we are engineered, mixed, and produced by the always gallant Al Mudif. Al really respects the years of wisdom and experience that I bring to AIJCast. No, you know nothing. And I'm your host, Marthame Sanders, encouraging you, as always, to create some beauty of your own. And remember that the world isn't truly beautiful until it's beautiful for all. Until next time, I leave you with justice and peace.